2000s with one goal in mind. We have a guy on staff, Henry, who does those, and I just love watching what he does with it. Uh, if you grab your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 27 is where we're going to be. Uh, while you're turning there, I got to tell you, I got to do it. It was so incredible. Uh, Ronnie Roa, I think many of you know, our junior high pastor, um, he started a, a study on USC's campus that we call USC or Generate USC. And then what happened is uh, Justin McCabe, I think, is doing that now and took over. But uh, because of those connections, uh, Ronnie uh, got us an opportunity to go to the USC game this last Saturday. Tony Wood, me and Ronnie went, and uh, he got us into the locker room before the game. So here we are with the, the USC football team, big guys. I mean, they're huge. And uh, I'm standing there just kind of in awe of this moment, kind of standing as far back as I can. And uh, what happens is Pete Carroll comes in. And Ronnie catches his eye, and somehow they know each other. And uh, Ronnie said, this is my pastor, Chuck. And so I got to meet him. And then Pete goes in front of the whole team, and he starts rallying them. And he says, you know, we have a pastor here today. And even though we don't normally do this and honor his being here, uh, before we go play Cal, uh, I want us to pray. Let's get down on a knee. And then he looks at Ray Malaluga. He says, Ray, I want you to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Well, Tony starts snickering. And I'm looking at Tony going, you don't laugh at Ray Malaluka. And uh, I said, what are you doing? And, he, and Tony goes, he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, no. He goes, oh, I bet he doesn't. And all of a sudden, Ray Malaluka starts saying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless us. Amen. And all the guys say amen loud. And I look over at Tony, and Tony goes, dude, I didn't know he knew the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> and if you didn't get that joke, I got it. Anyway, uh, we weren't there, but I just thought it was a funny joke. Uh, life is a team sport. Uh, uh, when you think about that, I, I want you to grab it. God has never, ever made us to be independent. Not independent from him and not independent from others. Life is meant to be a team sport. And we begin to see over and over again how much better life is when it's shared in community. One of our great passions here at Crossroads Christian Church is we say, our dream is to raise up a people that have a passionate commitment to Christ, to the cause, and to community. And a community is equal to the other two, that we need to see ourselves rallying in that. When God created geese, it's kind of interesting that he created them with a need for one another. And all of you know a flock of geese tend to fly in a V. And the reason they do that is because by doing so, they can fly 71% further in that formation, drafting off each other. Uh, in other words, they can go further and stronger in an easier way if they do it together than if one single goose tries to do it on its own. Uh, uh, we know uh, scientists tell us, naturalists tell us, that as the geese are flying in this V, that when they begin to honk, it's because they're encouraging the lead goose, the one who's leading the V. And they, they honk for him and honk for him and cheer for him. And, and he flies harder and harder and harder. And according to what I read, is when they begin to honk, they can actually discern a harder flapping that happens. And then when he hits a point that he just can't go on anymore leading the pack, he drops back into the V to the easiest place to fly, the one that has the least amount of resistance. And another one steps up, and they all begin to honk on for him. <clears throat> the idea here is this, this amazing encouragement, this amazing sharing together makes them better and makes them more effective. Uh, there was a story told about two horses that were at a county fair. 
And there was a pulling contest to see which horse could pull the most weight. And the first horse pulled 4,500 pounds. The second place horse pulled 4,000 pounds. And then they decided to kind of encourage more attendance at the fair that tomorrow they would hook the two together to see how much weight they could carry. And so people flocked to see. And amazingly, together they could pull 12,000 pounds. Nearly three times what one could do on its own. Now in life, in life you'll be more effective when you're in relationships. In life you'll find yourself doing better. When you're locked in camaraderie, when you're in that kind of band of brotherhood. And more than ever, we need to have lots of different kinds of relationships. But one thing we want to emphasize now is that God has created men to be together. He's created us to, to have quality relationships with other men. And uh, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen is a verse most of you already know. And it says this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. In other words, if we're going to be sharp, if we're going to be effective, if we're going to have the power to live life the way we should, if we're going to be overcomers and conquerors, it's going to happen because we have another man or other men in our lives sharpening us and making us better. If you have your books, glance down. Here's where we're at. Three significant relationships that bless and energize a man's life. Uh, There's three relationships I want to ask you to think about, and here's the question. Do you have them? Have you had them? Because if you do, your life will be better. It'll be fuller. It'll be more what God intended it to be. The first relationship is this. Do you have an admiring mentor, a coach, teacher, father, employer, someone who you can look up to, but who can train you in life and speak into your life, and they do it in a way that's encouraging and admiring? Uh, I don't know how many of you knew this, but uh, the man who was doing announcements just now is my youngest son, Tim. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I just get so proud of Tim. And uh, I mean, even the way he said the word condiment. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not kidding. I just look at this guy and I see the kind of father he is and I see the kind of things he does. And, and I know that I was one who, who got to admire and to, to pour into his life. Uh, uh, early on, we spotted that Tim has a, a sensitive heart. And we praise God for that. He, he's a man's man. But he's not afraid about his feelings or his emotions. The problem with the sensitive heart, you get hurt deeper. And we've always prayed that we'd never callous up against that, and and I really believe he hasn't. But now what I'm watching happen is I'm watching Tim pour himself into the lives of other people, especially his his main focus group now, our fifth and sixth graders here in this church. And today, a mom came who uh, uh, brought her son. Well, her, her mom came with her. So a grandmother that we know came up to Pam today, and she just grabbed her, and she hugged her as tight as she could, and she started crying. She said, I just want to thank God for Tim. I want to thank you for Tim. And she began to talk about her grandson and the fact that he does have a sensitive heart too. And he's gotten wounded. But every time he gets wounded, you know what he looks at her and says? He says, I need to talk to Tim. And and I'm watching Tim go mentor someone else now. And I'm watching him pour into somebody else. And we all need people like that in our lives, uh, a mentor that we have. And I want to ask you, do you have some mentors you could look back on? Uh, one of my mentors was Tim Coop, uh, who was a, a pastor here at Crossroads Christian Church. And I don't know how God ordained and orchestrated it, but somehow Tim opened himself up, and I got a chance to learn from Tim. 
uh, and, and watch him as a father, watch him as a pastor, watch him as a leader. And uh, I got to tell you, he taught me how to study. Uh, uh, he really took the time and walked me through it. Uh, when I was, got my first ministry, Tim invited me to his house, and I brought over my first sermon, and I laid it down, and he let me almost preach it to him. Now, you got to understand, man, this guy is busy, and uh, uh, he's phenomenally uh, gifted, and, and one of the best preachers around, and, and he's letting me preach to him. And when I got done, I'll never forget him looking at me, and he, he said, Chuck, I, I got to tell you, I, I admire the creativity, but what you just did wasn't biblical. I'm like, what? He goes, that wasn't biblical. And I'm going, whoa, and I, it wasn't. When he began to show me, and, and he said, no, 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 this is, you got to take the passage and teach what the passage means. You don't take it out of context, you know. And he began to, to show me, and he, over and over he said, you're too gifted. You're too gifted. Tim caught me, I don't know how many times, when I was on staff here with him. And I would speak, and, and not in a negative way, he'd pull me aside and say, Chuck, I see God has given you an anointing, but the problem is you're, 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 you're going for the easy road. You're going for the quick moment. You're going for, you've got to teach the word. You've got to teach the word. And, and it needs to be more Jesus, more God's word than your, what you do. You've got to learn how to balance that out. And man, I needed a guy like that in my life. And I got to tell you, it was incredible to have that. Uh, John Samples was a pastor I served under, and he was probably the best husband I've ever seen. I mean, this guy knew how to and, and love his wife in, in, in an amazing way, and, and John poured that into me. Uh, Don Olsby was the first youth pastor that ever taught me youth ministry, and he did that here. Uh, and, and I went on and on and on. Uh, Les Christie, uh, and it doesn't mean anything to you probably, but he was one of the best youth ministers in the nation, and Les agreed to mentor me. And Man, I can't tell you the number of times that I just fell lost and I called him up and went over and Les walked me through what to do. And, and then Les would sometimes show up and he would watch what I was doing and, and he would give me pointers. And, and man, I needed some like that in my life. Everybody needs mentors. Uh, when I took over as the senior pastor at, at Christ Church of the Valley, I, I remember the elders asked me if I would do that. And I said, you guys, you need to know. I, I, don't, I honestly can tell you I don't have a clue what to do as a senior pastor. I can preach. But the kind of leadership that's so different than what I've been doing, and, uh, and these guys, all of whom are successful uh, uh, in their careers, they looked at me and said, well, we'll help. And, and they did. It was an amazing uh, uh, way of working together because they would never take leadership from me, but they constantly pointed me to it. And I made some missteps early on, and they, they just gave me quality advice and turned me loose to do it again. And, and then I, I got smart enough then to go and get some guys who were, who were strong business leaders. And uh, uh, Jim Bertolini, who, by the way, you're sitting in the chairs he manufactures, uh, Jim uh, would sit out with me at least once a month, usually it was every other week, and he began to ask me about goal setting, and about execution, and about uh, how to manage staff, and, and, and he started leading me through that, and I realized, man, I've got so much to learn in this area. Uh, Ed Resendis is a, a CEO who was just doing phenomenal in his company. He started pouring creativity into me. And, and then my, my, one of my favorites is Dave Gunderson, who's the CEO of Southern California Credit Union. Dave is a phenomenal Christian man and, and godly man. And man, I'll tell you what, he was always challenging me. Am I, are we doing the right thing? Are we doing it the right way? Are, are we making the right moves? And by the way, I need to tell you, when I came here and uh, I was right away over my head. It felt so good to take our financials out what we had then <laughs> and to go sit down with Dave and say, look through these and, and go sit down with a couple other guys and say, hey, look at this. What, what would you, what do we do? 
And I got to be honest, I, you got to hear this. I, I'm sitting there, and, and the first time I sat with one of the guys, I said, what do we do? And he looked and said, pray. <laughs> he said, man, there's no strategy on this one. But uh, uh, you know what? You need people like that in your life. I want to ask you, do you have an admiring mentor? And even now, we need to look for people to mentor us. There's always somebody who I think is a step ahead, and, and we need to look to them and try to help them encourage us on. The second thing we need is a side-by-side friend. Uh, we need people who, who we can be friends with. And, 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 and I'm not saying that, you know, there's not an area they might be better at than us, but more it's a, a level of equality. And, and so what happens is you've got these people who are partners with you and they share with you and, and they, they make life better and they, they, they laugh when you laugh and they cry when you cry. And, and, and man, they're like closer than a brother. And the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And we need that person. The next thing we need, are you ready for this? And this is... Uh, Robert Lewis's term, I'm going to use it. I don't think I like this term. He calls it the needy protege. Uh, I, I don't like the, the, I mean, I know what he's trying to get at here, but I think that just doesn't say it correctly. Is there someone you're looking at that you could help? Someone you can pour into? Uh, someone you can help move to the next level in their giftedness and leadership ability and strengths? Is there somebody? Uh, maybe it's a young married guy who needs some some talk from an older guy about being a husband and a father. Uh, maybe it's someone who's starting out in the area of business you're in. Uh, we don't have it here yet, but let me tell you a dream I have. I want to see us do amazing jobs mentoring people here. And I, I think that we're going to start it in a lot of ways, but let me give you one. I, I would love to gather people in their area of expertise, so I'll just use this as an example. All the firefighters that attend our church. And then I think that we ought to have the, the guys who have been really quality at that, doing a great job at it, and Christian, obviously, strong Christian guys, that they would pour into other firefighters. But I also think we need to invite all the young college guys whose dream to be a firefighter to go to this group and be mentored there too. Uh, police officers could do the same thing, or law enforcement. And, and, and I'd love to see that happen in teachers. And, and you know what, it, it's, it's a chance to mentor spiritually, but also in the area of profession and, and growing in your professional life. But, but we need people to pour into. I can tell you this. I think everybody here knows whenever you teach, you end up learning more than the people you're, te that, that you're teaching. And when you pour into someone else, it's going to make you sharper and better. When you try to encourage them and try to move them on. And over the years, I, I've gotten to do that. Uh, uh, and I got to tell you, it's kind of funny. Uh, I, I, I've had a, people stop me at times going, man, I could tell that you taught that guy to preach. He speaks just like you do. Uh, he tells the same horrible jokes. And, uh, but you know what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2? 2? He said, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, where do you think Paul got that from? I, I mean, we already know he got it from Jesus, who gathered 12 guys together and he poured himself into them. And, and three in particular he poured himself into. And uh, you know what is, is we need to do this, but without having a, a mentor in your life, without having quality side-by-side -side friends, without having people you pour into, in the end, your life's not going to have the effectiveness it's supposed to have. Those are three key relationships we see that are scriptural and are needed, and, and we need to develop. Uh, and, and I would say this, is that if you're sitting here tonight and you're going, I don't know if that's true for me, let me tell you the first step is to pray, and I don't mean that lightly. The second thing I'd do beyond pray is I'd write it down. And I'd say, God, how can I find that mentor? Bring me that person. Show them to me. The second thing is, God, I want to be a better friend. 
Uh, when I was doing some life strategizing about four years ago, I began to see some areas of weakness in my life, and I, I wrote out that friendship one. And I said, I need to do a better job about being a friend. And, uh, you know, time was getting crunched and things like that. And I started making, what would I need to do? What are some intentional steps I can take? And you know what? God began to bless that and bless that and bless that. But one was interesting because I thought, you know, I really need, and I, I had thought I got to have this kind of once a month lunch. And, and I prayed about who I, that ought to be with. And I thought, okay, I'm going to call and see if they'll, they'll knock out the time on their schedule. And, I, and it was so wild because I was sitting there and I'm praying about it and the phone rings and it's the guy. And he said, you know, I was calling thinking we ought to get together once a month. Can you curve that the time? And I'm like, whoa, dude, I was just praying about that too. And, and you know what? It's, it's praying and being intentional about it, and, and we need to do that. Now, the next thing we need to get into is this. If you've got your books, it's the all alone wound defined. Because that is a wound in our life whenever we are all alone, when we're lonely, when we're isolated. Uh, you already know that Proverbs 18.1 says that, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. And I, I want to throw out kind of a warning here for the married guys. While I desperately want you to have a quality relationship with your wife, and we're going to talk about how to do that, let me tell you this. If that's your only true friend, you need more. You need more. And uh, I know I joked about it before, but Pam and I really are at a place where if one of us dies, we still have enough quality relationships, that's going to be okay. And uh, I want to, you know, I've watched guys draw a circle around just them and their wives and say that's it. And, and she let her usually have some friends. Well, you got to have more than that. And uh, we need to work hard to make sure that that can happen in quality ways. But let's hit what it says here. What's the all alone wound defined? It's a social, emotional, and spiritual loss. That's the, the underlying loss. Caused by the lack of healthy male comradeship that results in. Now think about this. Not having healthy male comradeship results in, number one, loneliness and discouragement. Loneliness and discouragement. And uh, you know what? Well, we need to be in contact with people. We need to have encouraging relationships. And when we find people who are lonely, and by the way, a, a survey was done not too long ago that blew me away. 57% of adults in the United States say that they're extremely lonely. 57%, not just lonely, extremely lonely. And uh, we already know this, that sitting in a crowd doesn't, doesn't solve that. Uh, going to work and feeling lonely doesn't solve it. Uh, being married and you don't feel in, in connection with your, your, your spouse, man, that bed's a lonely place to lay. Uh, you know, and, and so, you know, 57%. Uh, said that that's an extreme problem. And by the way, it goes up into the 70% during the holiday season, which we're approaching. Uh, I would say this, though, is that most of us hit seasons of life where we're going to go through this. And, uh, but, but not having that male, male partner, that male comrade, well, that creates loneliness and discouragement. It also creates foolish behaviors and blind spots. And we're going to get to that more in a minute, but i got to tell you that I... Man, I can tell you a number of times I'm talking with someone and I'm seeing them making fatal decision after fatal decision and they don't have a guy in their life who says, dude, no way. You just don't do that. You just don't do that. And, and they don't have anybody they can trust to speak into them that way. And so they begin to do foolish things. Uh, drink too much. Uh, get involved in pornography. Uh, start doing dishonest things at work that may and probably will cost them their job. 
But let me say this. Let's say you get away with it. That doesn't mean you got away with it. It's already cost you your character. And that's more important than a job. Uh, they, they may not treat their wife correctly. Uh, they may start making horrible other life-affecting and altering decisions. And so foolish behaviors and blind spots, not watching out for it. You know, how many, how many guys have had affairs because basically they're lonely and, and most of those affairs occur at a work setting and what they do is they begin to foster a relationship that isn't good and healthy. And they don't have anybody to kind of say, hey, wait a minute, put on the brakes here. Separate from this. And, and by the way, the most people I've seen enter into those and, and get wounded by them, usually early on, they don't see anything wrong with it. And they, it's a blind spot to them. And, and they're, not, they're not careful. They're not warning themselves of it. And, and, and we've got to do that. And, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you that, that a lot of people who don't have anybody to speak in, they do that. Then the next thing is they become short-sighted in the area of masculinity. They, they have a short-sighted view of what it means to really be the kind of man they need to be because they don't have other men to sharpen them, to encourage them. And so the all-alone wound, you ready for this, is usually, usually self-inflicted. Uh, the problem that you may have with your father, that was a, a wound that was inflicted by him. The problem that uh, an overly bonded mother can create, that's inflicted by her. But the self-inflicted wound is the all-alone wound. Uh, and let me say this, is that, man, I've loved being with you guys on Sunday nights, but I'm really concerned about the thousands of men who come here on Sunday morning and haven't made it. And uh, while there's lots of reasons and some positive ones why guys aren't here, I'm going to tell you, there's a significant group of those guys walking through those doors who don't have a guy that they connect with, and that's the reason they're not here, is, is they just don't want to come sit here, and, and they're missing it. They're missing an opportunity. Uh, and... And that short-sightedness can cost them. Now, number three, the point every man benefits, the point is every man benefits from the company of other men. Every man benefits from the company of other men. And uh, that's not only what Lewis says, i got to tell you, it's been my experience. I think most of you who have quality settings like this would say it's yours. But get ready for this. A, there, there's a friendless American male. It's an epidemic in this country. Uh, the friendless American male typically knows lots of people, but he is not known and doesn't know them deeply. Henry David Thoreau said this. He says that people who are lonely live lives of quiet desperation. Think about that. Quiet desperation. And uh, far too often that's true. Uh, what happens is it's a way of just suppressing feelings and not having any place to get them out. Deep longings and pains that can't be dealt with. And, and so the, the American male today, by, by far the average American male, is a lonely man who doesn't have anybody to really open up with and share deeply and, and, and have someone look him in the eye and say, I can see you're down. Or, and, 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 or I can see you, man, you just made it. And, and, and the average guy's not getting that. And so that usually produces not only some depression and despair, but a feeling of being tired. It, it zaps energy and by the way, when we're walking with God correctly, it says that God causes us to renew our strength and to mount up on like wings of eagles. Well, why does that happen? Because how blessed it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And without that, without that community, that unity, that, that Holy Spirit anointed blessing, it, it creates a tired life. Um, B says, the significant downside 
to isolation. What is that significant downside to isolation? Well, number one, it creates a warped perspective on life. A warped perspective on life. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And a person who's all alone and doesn't have other people to speak into his life usually doesn't have perspective. And, and so we can create a warped perspective. Alone, you talk yourself into anything. Alone, you can start to have fear rule your life and paranoia. You can make wrong assumptions. Let, let me share this with you. This, this does fit this. Uh, sometimes we're able to start really being a part of redemption and reconciliation between relationships. And that happens in lots of areas. But I can't tell you the number of times I'm talking with someone and we begin to start to kind of strategize how to move into a reconciliation process. And I'll say, well, tell me what they think. Tell me how they feel. Tell me what's going on. And this person begins to pour out, well, you know what? They, they're mad at me because of this and they're angry because of that. And I'm not even sure they'll take my phone call. And if I wrote them, they would take And they go on and on and on. And, and you know what I want to tell you? I'm going to throw out a, a number. It's a guess number. But I think it's pretty accurate. 95% of the time, the person's completely wrong. Not even a little wrong. I mean, completely. So I'm sitting there and we go, well, let's make the phone call. And they make the phone call, and the other person on the other end is going, oh, man, I haven't heard from you in so long. Oh, it's so, and they're like, what? That's the person who is so angry they won't take their call. That's the one who, who can't overlook what happened. It's the one, and, and you know what is, is I'll say, well, you know what, you really do need to make the step of asking for forgiveness. And I say, what do you think the result's going to be? And the majority of times they say to me, oh, man, they're not going to say, and I put them in face to face, and they look and say, I just can't believe I, I did this. And you know what? Again, I'm going to throw out that number. 95% of the time, the person goes, dude, me too. But it's okay. I've done things. And it's amazing how we can just be so sure we think we know. Well, it is definitely exasperated or, 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 or taken to exaggerated, taken to a whole new level when we're all alone. And we start dealing with these things. Uh, I, I just read a, a really kind of interesting book called... Uh, CEO tool shop, or tool shed, or I don't know. It's tools for CEOs. One of the things it says in there is when people don't have quality information, they almost always go to the negative. You know, if you're, you go to your job and they say, next week we're having an all-company get-together to unleash some news on you. Almost all of us start assuming they're shutting down, bad things are going to happen. But you know what? It is, is without good knowledge, people tend to go to the negative. Well, the, the truth is in relationships, that's true too. Without face-to-face -face contact, that can happen. And, and we need ways to interact. If not, it gives us a warped perspective on life. Uh, other people give us balance. And uh, just recently, I'm going to say this a little vaguely on purpose, but it's just too real and too raw. Uh, there's a particular man I know, and he's just got it wrong. And uh, it's hard because we've tried to say to him, man, you're loved. And he'll, no, no, no. And we'll say, people miss you. No, no one's called. <laughs> that, this is the one I got to give you. He goes, no one is called. No one has said they miss me. And then I bumped into a couple people right after the conversation. I said, hey, you know, so-and-so struggling. They go, yeah, I called him. He didn't return my call. I emailed and he didn't return my email. I Facebooked him. It's right there. And I saw he logged on. And, and this guy's really, he's convinced no one's reaching out to him. And I've talked to five people who've made incredible effort to reach out. And he's whining all alone, isolated, mad. 
And you go, no one's reaching out. And you know why? We always get that way when we're alone. You know, and, and just think about it this way. If, I, if you and I are in a, in a cave and you've got light, you can sit and you can kind of navigate. But if you're in a dark cave, most of us, most of us feel something crawling on our leg. Right? I mean, all of a sudden you hear a sound, you're like, what was that? And, and your mind starts to play tricks. And, and you know what is, is if you're in a cave with somebody else, they can help you get through that time. And light and people make all the difference in the world. It really does. And uh, you know what? Fear is played upon us. Wrong decisions are made uh, uh, when we don't have other people in our lives. And God has created us to have those people. Uh, the second thing it can lead to is isolation can lead to loose living. Uh, that's why, beyond a shadow of a doubt, a lot of guys I've seen get into trouble are people who travel. Uh, you know, if you have to travel alone, it, it's very it, it's, it's easy to make the wrong move. Um, you know what? A, a dangerous place to be for a, the average guy, I think, is in a hotel with a TV sitting there and he's bored. Especially when we're on the East Coast and all, all the TV shows are over. On our, it's, it's midnight there, so there's nothing really to watch that, 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 that's that good on TV. And, and you're kind of sitting there and, man, they, they just, like, they hit you with the porn channels. You know, Pam and I uh, just were at Syracuse, and we were at this beautiful resort called the Turning Stone Resort. And every time we turned on the TV, before we could get to the channels, they're trying to get you to buy stuff, the first thing up is, would you like adult entertainment? Tonight is your, and I'm going, kids are in this room usually. But man, that's the first thing they're pushing. And a guy who's all alone, man, that gets tempting. I had uh, someone say this to me, he said, when you're in especially Chicago or Dallas, stand near the newsstands and watch the magazines that most of the men look at. And I, I did. I thought, wow, that's interesting. They go right to the, the ones that show girls. And, uh, you know, here these guys are traveling and they're lonely and they can do all sorts of things and, and that can happen. Uh, I battled this when, um, for a period of time, I was uh, starting a church in Tucson, Arizona and Pam and the kids couldn't move for three months. And so every single week, I drove from here to Tucson and back. And uh, I got to tell you, it started to be a battle. You know, there was no cell phone to be able to talk back then. And, and, and I realized that I couldn't believe how much just crud must be in my mind. Because uh, I would be driving and I would turn on music. And, and a lot of the music, especially, you know, I started listening. I thought, you got to be kidding me. I mean, that's just trying to incite sexual thought after sexual thought. And so this is true. I know some of you aren't going to like this. But that's when I switched to country. Because at least that didn't do it, you know. I, I'm not kidding, you know. I mean, I, my dog died and my truck broke down. You know, but uh, and obviously that's not. But it, it was cleaner at least. And so it was only going to be Christian music and country. And Because I just realized, man, this is a battle I'm fighting with hours of time. And, and you know what? As most of us in those times, I, I'm going to just say that. Man, we get honest, we got to struggle against that. Uh, lots of people who they get alone, they start doing things and say, I can't believe I did it. And you know what? If you had been with someone else, you probably never would have. And uh, so it causes loose living. The third thing, it causes a loss of motivation for the noble things in life. Because we need someone to cheer us on. We need someone to say, man, I can't believe you treated your wife in that way. That was awesome. By the way, I want to really encourage you. Uh, we're going to go ahead and extend it a couple more weeks. But, man, guys who have any kind of a, a girl in your life, whether it's a wife, whether it's a, a, a daughter, 
a, a fiance, a girlfriend. I, I want you to try to do that romantic thing and then let us know about it. And I know we're making it a, a, hopefully a fun contest because you get a gift certificate to um, Fleming's for some of the most amazing steak ever and, and all sorts of other things. But, but here's the thing I, I want to tell you is I think when we all start doing this, we start sharing some of those things that we're done, it will encourage other people to. But we need to be around each other saying, man, how, have you treated your wife good today? Did you spend quality time with your kids? How's it going on that? And, and, and man, you, you, you set five goals this year. How are you doing on those goals? And, and we need people in our life to do that for us, to encourage us on. And, and so we need to make sure that we're that kind of people. Number four, the downside of being alone. The hurt of isolation causes a loss of opportunities for much needed transparency. Who is it we're going to get real with? You know, I, I um, was so touched because uh, Carol Duarte, um, out of when I first came here, she, she's an incredibly creative artist, and she made a frame, uh, framed a picture for me that just says this, it says, live transparent. And, and I hung it in my office, and it's in a place I look at it constantly. Uh, it's not, that's actually a theme for my life. Uh, I, I learned early on, I just don't want to pretend now, I'm not trying to say, you know, that I don't struggle like everyone else on that, wanting to cover things up. But, you know, Pam will tell you, we've never, ever had a fight that won't make it into a sermon now. Um, I, I know my failings. I don't see any purpose in hiding in it. Uh, I think it's good for us to have people we can get around and just open up and talk about. Every person needs to be known. And it's freeing when we don't pretend uh, that we're something that we're not. Uh, it's a place where love flourishes. But by the way, if we do try to hide, if we do try to repress, it leads to the three Ds, to depression, discouragement, and, and to despair. And, and God doesn't want that for us. And, and so when we can just open up and say, okay, hey, you know, there's times I blow it. It's one of the most freeing things in Christianity to be able to say, you know, I, I, I just know I've got some areas I've got to improve. And yet when we have it, when we have people to be with, it starts to take away this downside. It gives us a life that's incredible. And remember, I just quoted part of Psalm 133. But it says this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, coming down on the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edges of the robe. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down on the mountains for Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing life forever. Real living, real living is, is being in this blessed unity and community. Uh, uh, one of the dreams I have for this church, and we're going to have to really start working harder on it, is for us to be a true community together. Uh, I want us to be a place where people know and love each other, and I want it to cross generations. Uh, I want us to cheer each other on and, and cry for each other in moments, and, and I want this to be a, a, a small town. I, I think that's God's dream. And So, you know, we're hitting about the six, 7,000 mark right now, but you know that 7,000 people is not a very big town. And, and if we work together and, and make this a strategy, well, we'll see that happen. But one part of it is to see men dwelling together in unity. Now think about what the scripture says on this. Let's hit these kind of quickly. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Don't miss that. We've got to have other people sharpening us up. Proverbs 18, 24. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In other words, just big crowds of people, isn't it? We've got to have that true friend that sticks closer than a brother. And, and if you don't have that now, again, we've got to pray about it, and we've got to get intentional about making it happen. 
Ecclesiastes 4 is one of my favorite sections of scripture. 9 and 10 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there's not another one to lift him up. Woe to the one who falls when there's not another one to lift him up. And uh, I got to tell you, you, there's got to be some people in your life that when you get, when you get down, when you get hit in the gut, uh, that's there for you. Um, when I was in Tucson, um, we hit a very traumatic time. Uh, it, it was a small church, and, and I had some people turn on me and make it very personal. And I had to do a lot of self-examination, and I thought, okay, I've got to, number one, know if they're right. And uh, i got to know what to do. And so I felt so good to have some friends that I trust, not just to say kind things, to say truthful things, to come and really take a look at it. And uh, uh, through one of those friends, they contacted a man named Don Wilson, who now is a friend of mine. But uh, Don was the, is the pastor of Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix, Arizona, and they're a booming church. But Don's an incredibly strong, godly man, very blunt. He's one of those real blunt guys. Uh, uh, and I really like Don a lot, you know. Um, but, but he's incredibly um, blunt, I guess is the word to say. And he came over and he said, okay, here's what you did wrong. And here's what you did wrong. And then he said, and you know what else you did wrong? You apologized for some things that you weren't wrong about. And uh, you got to take a stand here. And you got to do it. In a guy. And he, all, he started painting it. And I needed someone like that. And, and Don over the years is a guy I can call who just gives it to me straight. And uh, we need people like that in our life. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Man, I love that. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for it. We need people in our lives in the good times and the other. Hebrews 10, 24, listen. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We need to walk around asking that question. I mean, here's the thing. Think about this. The average person who walks into a church says this. How am I going to get benefit? How's this going to feed me? Do I like the worship? Is the preaching something I enjoy? And you know what? That's not what it says. Did you see what it says we do when we gather in church? We walk into church looking around going, who can I encourage? Who can I lift up? How can I get intentional about encouraging someone else to take their spiritual gift and go use it in the life of someone else? How can I do that? And, and notice the focus difference. You walk in saying, okay, how can I be an encourager? How can I be someone who stimulates other people to rise up to all their God-intended glory? And that's what we walk in asking to do. Uh, some of you guys know George McKinney, who's uh, uh, one of our elders here. And, and George, you know what, uh, for years at least, and I assume he's still doing it, he would walk in and he'd sit and pray, God, show me who to go talk to and give me words to say. And I thought, man, I love that idea. Not who's going to come up to me, who's going to notice me. It's how can I reach out? How can I step up? How can I say things? How can I let people know that they, 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 they're people that matter? How can I spot them doing something right? Uh, I got to tell you this is, you know, uh, uh, one of the places that's kind of tough to serve here is in that sound booth because everybody has a different sound volume choice. I literally, a few weeks ago, was standing there and I thought, wow, the sound's mixed pretty good. I had someone walk up to me going, it's too low. Would you tell them to turn it up? And I thought, I haven't heard that one in a while. And I'm standing there actually kind of a little shocked and someone else walked up and said, it's too loud. Can you tell them to turn it down? I mean, in the same moment, I'm going, okay, this is like so cool. And, uh, you know, have you ever thought about stopping by the sound guy saying, man, it's a tough job, but you're doing good. 
You know, have you ever thought about that for him? Uh, have you ever thought about, you know, watching some of the ushers who, especially the guys who have to do the stairs, and say, man, I got to tell you, thanks. It might not seem like a lot, but I was noticing. Hey, have you ever walked up to the question mark people and say, thank you for being here? Because I've got a feeling somebody at some point is going to walk up here and you're going to be that loving voice that touches their life. And I'm, I'm going to pray for you to do that. Hey, have you ever thought about going up to the DePaul's and, and the other people who work the coffee cart going, man, you nailed the coffee today. You know, I, and you might say, well, wait, wait, should it, yeah, we should do that. Just looking around for people, encouraging them, and, and, and saying how much it matters. And that's, that's, now notice that's what this verse says we're supposed to do. And let me ask you this question, right? If all, just, just us, if just the 200 and some or 300 of us did that, what would that do to this church? What, what do you think that would do? You know, it, it would blow people away. And by the way, I want to say this. This is one of those things I think men rise up to do. That men step up and they look around and they say, I want that to happen in your life. And, and we need to be doing that. And not just the church everywhere, but especially this verse, by the way, is about how to gather at church. First Samuel 20, 17 says, Jonathan made David vow again because of his love for him. Because he loved him as he loved his own life. Now, I, I don't know how many of us can say that we have people like that in our life right now. But let me tell you that, that again, you need to say, God, I want some people like that in my life. Now, I've learned over the years that most deep friendships are seasonal. You know, there are a few of you who have had a friend since you were eight years old. The vast majority, that's not true. The vast majority don't have those deep friendships. But even those who do, I've learned they're seasonal. And what you do is you love and enjoy that friendship in the season. And when things change, you go on to the next one. And I've, I've come to believe this. This is an opinion that that's a God-ordained thing. Now, obviously, I still feel that I have my friends from CCV, but, but when I made the switch, I mean, that changed things. That changed the season of us, how we were doing things. And so, you know what, is while we have this love for one another and we love to get together and talk, I've had to turn and say, okay, God, now it's time for a season with different friendships and other people to interact with. And, and all of us are going to have seasons like that to happen. And rather than, than being sad about what just left, we need to say, well, I praise God for what we had there, but now it's time for this one to occur. Now, I'm not talking about if something negative happened. You know, uh, uh, we need to try to repair that. I'm talking about just it's going to happen. There are times that friendships are going to switch and change. And uh, we need to, to, to look for what's coming and enjoy the moment and constantly make it a matter of prayer so that we all have a person that we can love like our own life. We just love them as we love our own life. Now, here's what we need. What, what can you do? Number one, there, learn the three keys to friendship. There are three huge keys to friendship. Number one, loyalty. Uh, uh, that's what we need to do. Um, and, and, and that's a huge one. Uh, are people who are just going to be loyal to you, period. Uh, by the way, i got to tell you, I, I, one of the joys of, of when I made the change to come from CCV to here uh, was the number of people who called me, and, I mean immediately, and said, man, I've got your back. I'm praying for you. Uh, and I need to tell you this, is when Pam and I came here, we really did see a huge possibility of us not making it and being successful. 
uh, and, and, I, and we thought, okay, we could lose everything. We could lose our home, lose everything. Uh, and when I shared that, I got a call a couple days later from a friend of mine saying, no way, dude, man, I, I'll hire you in a second. You know, you, you got it, you know. And, and that felt good. Now, I, I didn't want to use that as my catch-22. But, you know, it, loyal people who say, then I got you. I'm there for you. Uh, the next thing is this that creates good friendships, faithfulness. And, and I want to say faithfulness to our values. Not just faithful, period, but a faithful friend and faithful to values. And the third thing that creates it's encouragement. Someone who's encouraging. Uh, a person who's discouraging and negative is not going to have quality friendships. And if you have a pessimistic side to you, you need to see that put to death. Uh, uh, it, it really need to do that. Now, now don't, don't miss this. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is being negative. And if that's a part of you, you've got to do away with it. You've got to say, God, kill this off. And, and you've got to start focusing on more positive thinking. Now, I'm not going into the, the whole new age concept of positive thinking, but I'm talking about true, faithful, positive thinking. Believing in a God who can do anything. Looking for the good that comes in the moment. And so we need to be encouragers and encourage ourselves and others in that. We need to be faithful and we need to be loyal. Now, the next thing, number two, is what can you do? You need to reach out to other men. Now, uh, uh, that's always the most awkward part of how we're going to make this happen. But, you know, we need to start putting ourselves in situations where friendships can form. Uh, and, by the way, one way to do that in a church setting is to get involved in something with, that, that doesn't put the, the, the idea of it making a threatening thing. You know, that's why, you know, like if uh, there's a place to do ministry here to get your heart excited, jump in. Because if you love doing it, you're probably going to meet another guy who loves doing it. And a great partnership's going to form. Uh, when we start doing things like uh, I want to have some golf tournaments where we mix people up, jump in and see what God does on that. Uh, when we have special projects here, jump in and do that. When we finally have our sports ministry going, I think a sports ministry is phenomenal. And, and when we start putting teams together, that's a place that you're going to be able to interact. But put yourself in positions to do that and uh, uh, make sure it happens. And you probably noticed I used mostly church examples because I want to put you in places where you meet Christian guys and, and you get a chance to know them. Uh, the second thing is, is, or the third thing is this, challenge men like you to meet regularly with you to get better. Challenge men like you to meet regularly to get better. Now, there's, there's lots of ways to approach that. Uh, I, I'm going to just throw this out to you as I've been praying. We, we've got to solve our community group issue here. We don't have a strong enough community group structure, uh, and, and we're a little behind the curve on that. But I'm, as I'm watching the corona mentality, I'm watching the corona Norco Riverside area uh, 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 culture, I'm realizing that the busyness we have, the commuting that happens for the vast majority of people, means that we're kind of a different way of living. And so I would say this, for the vast majority of you, a monthly group is probably going to work best. Now, if you can do it by, you know, every other week, or you can do it, you know, first and third Tuesday or whatever, or you can do it weekly, that would be great. But, but I think it's better to, to figure out what you can truly, actually, faithfully carry on with. But, you know, if you even had just a once-a-month group that gets together and, and finds ways to talk about life with a lot of intention, that would make a huge difference in your life. And so you need to find that. Uh, Pam and I had an amazing group of people we were meeting with when we were at CCV. And just this last Saturday, I did the wedding of, of Gary Dixon, who, man, has become one of my dearest friends. Well, we became friends when Gary and Cindy started coming to our group. And we ended up leading them to Christ. And, uh, man, it was so fun because they had different views on things. And Gary and Cindy are so incredibly intelligent. He's actually a principal now in Mariloma. 
but, but we're our friends and, and we love our families and, and we care about those things. And we got into a group that met every other week and we just talked life. And the way we did it is, is we all agreed to journal every day and we would just walk in and say, what was the one thing that hit you over the last two weeks that just blew you away that God said? And we just spent hours going around the room doing that with each other. And, uh, you know, if you had a place like that, that would be great. Or maybe you could start a book group, uh, uh, you know, Grab a bunch of guys and say, let's read the book in a pit with a lion on a snowy day and talk about how that would affect my life. But, but, you know, find something like that. Another idea is a lunch group or a, or a breakfast group or, or a golf group, you know, uh, but, but somewhere you can do that. Number four, get real and share your heart. Get real and share your heart. And uh, just really try to find some people you can just get honest with. And then number five, enjoy life together. Uh, one of the best ways to make great relationships with other men is to go on mission trips. You know, I think it would be a good goal if you said, man, every other year I'm going to at least go on a mission trip, if not every year. But I'm going to get with some people like that. Again, uh, uh, pouring into ministry, pouring into sports. The key is be intentional. But the most important thing is pray. And then set some intentional aspects of how you're going to make this happen. And when those relationships begin, you, you really set some goals. Uh, about how to make them better and, and, and you make those prayer goals that you work on. The key is that we need to be with people. We need people around us. We need that to happen. It was in World War II. A battle was raging. And uh, Bill, who was uh, in the army, looked out and saw his friend Jim go down. And he went to jump out of the place that they were taking cover. And his, the lieutenant who was over him grabbed him and pulled him back and said, Don't go. Uh, I... He, I saw the wound, I'm sure he's dead. If not, he'll die soon. And uh, Bill said, no, I got to go. And, and he got up, to, and the lieutenant grabbed him and jerked him down and said, I'm ordering you to stay here. And he said, that's an order I can't keep. And he pushed away and jumped out and took off running, and the bullets were flying, and he's rolling to get behind things. And he gets to his friend and throws his arms around him. And then, uh, I mean, it was a slow, painful, scary process. He drags him back. When he gets to the edge, the other guys reach and jerk him over. And Bill's covered with Jim's blood. And he looks down and the medic says, he's, he's dead. And the lieutenant says, see, what good was that? What good was that? And Bill said, well, he was alive when I got to him. He said, well, he's dead now. And uh, he said, well, you know what he said to me, Lieutenant, when I got there? When I threw my arms around him, he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, Bill, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. Are there people in your life who you know are going to come? And are you someone who would do that for someone else? That you'd show up. And God has made us to be that way. And uh, we were made to be in a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with other people. And I want to ask you tonight to think about this. Can you honestly say you're in an intimate, connected relationship with God? And do you have other, other people in your life, especially some guys, that you have that with? And if not, I want you to really say, okay, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to make that commitment. But tonight, let me say this. If you're not in an area where you're living out God's will for you, and we talked about a lot of things if you didn't catch it. You're using your giftedness to touch the lives of others. If you're not doing that, you're not where God wants you to be, you need to recommit to that. Are, are you somebody who, when you get alone with God, you can sense him moving and calling? Because God loves you and cares about you. And so tonight, I, I want to give you an invitation. If you aren't 
in a committed relationship with God, a connected relationship with Him. I want to give you an invitation to enter into that. And how do you do it? Well, you pray a prayer and say, God, I want this. And, and I'll lead you through it. I'll, let's do it together. And tonight, maybe you need to recommit your life to the Lord. You think, man, I used to have that life. I used to have those friendships. Remember I talked about the idea when we're not in that connected relationship with God, we're tired, we're drained. And if you see, man, that's, I used to have so much energy, but now it's gone. Well, I'm going to call upon you. Say, are you really connected? If not, reconnect with him. And pray this prayer with me. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I pray and ask that you would cause us to be a church who lives out this passionate commitment to you. And to the cause that you have, and, and we're going into that now, Lord, we care about any man here who needs to commit their life to you. But God, I also pray about our community, that we would be a true community. And I pray that men in this church would lead out in us being a, a group of people who care about each other and know each other and, and share life together. And, and we make sure that while we can't know everybody, we make sure everybody here is known. And Lord, may we be truly loving and truly caring. And I pray for every guy who's here tonight that we would start uh, all having not only good friendships, but deep, intimate friendships and camaraderie and, and, and a way that encourage and spur each other on. And God, show us how to do it right. But I pray you'd orchestrate meetings and orchestrate people talking and sharing. We ask for this to be beyond us, to be from you. But Father, right now, I want to pray. God, I want to ask that if there's any man in this room tonight who needs you, who needs to genuinely be in connection with you, or needs to reconnect, I pray right now, Lord, you would speak to them. You would stir in their heart. They would, this moment, want to pray this prayer. They'd want to say yes to you. I want us to keep praying, but tonight I'm going to lead that prayer. I'll just say a line and let you pray it with me. But tonight, if you need to either commit your life to Christ for the first time or you need to recommit, I want you to know God loves you and he wants you. But I'd like to ask this. Uh, I'm about to lead that prayer, and I'll have you just whisper it right where you're sitting. But I want to know if anyone here is going to pray this prayer with me. If tonight you'd either commit your life or recommit your life to Christ, you'd pray to him and say, I want this. Would you let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air and looking at me, and then you can put it down. Praise God. That is so awesome, man. That is awesome. And praise God for you. Wow. And over here for you. Praise the Lord. Man, that is so incredible. Take a second more. Anybody else I haven't seen yet? If God's touching you, you're going to pray this prayer. Just lift your hand if I haven't seen you. Okay, all of you who God's stirring and touching, let's just whisper this prayer together. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, and to make me new, and to make me yours. So I say yes. And I open my heart to you now. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you created me to be. And to live the life that you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, praise God for the guys who prayed that tonight. Man, praise the Lord. Authentic Manhood. Men's Fraternity.